make like some cool drops. All right. Well, speaking of that, where's your intro, Lucas? You had homework. <laughs> kick this thing off with uh, a nice little recap finally football has returned so uh all the great moments and horrible moments from week one mostly horrible moments but anyway oh please so anyway uh what'd you guys think of uh week one of the nfl did it live up to the hype the excitement the Monday night game I mean the Saints and Texans not the Raiders bullshit um, was actually a really exciting game preseason so They know the plays, and like even Kyler Murray came out and said, like you know we've only run six or seven plays during preseason. Like I think they know how it's supposed to look. It's just like I guess it does come into that question, like how does like for offenses they need to get into a rhythm. And so I guess one question is, do you think that it's worthwhile for people to like for teams to rest their starters during the preseason, or do you think it's detrimental to? Team cohesiveness. 
Um, to an extent. I mean, obviously, we're not going to be playing these guys all game or even all half. But, like, I would think, I would hope that, I would, you know, like, I, the, my favorite team, I would want them to play their offensive starters at least in two of the preseason games. You know, maybe, it, like, the way it used to be, I feel like, was in the first game, they play, like, a drive. And then in the second game, they play, like, a quarter. And then in the third game, they play a half. And then yeah. they wouldn't play in the fourth game. And I think that's perfect, you know, because yeah, then you're a perfect like, ramp up. Yeah, you're ramping yourself up to play a full NFL football game. And uh, without going too far. What? And you get yourself out there, you can run some real plays and in front of a crowd and... You know. So why doesn't it make sense to? to but then, like you're you're taking that week off for week four, so wouldn't it make sense that they would just kind of maybe they maybe they don't start their guys in week one and they start at week two and and start a ramp up like that of the um, season. Well, just because I mean, like football's how attacking of sport it is. I would prefer for my guys to be coming in fresh for the games that actually matter, but like by having sat out the week before. That's all. Okay. And usually that's kind of what they do anyways, is like, as soon as week three is over, they know like, like probably 40, 40 out of the 52, or 53 man roster. So, um, like they kind of start game planning at that point even. And week four is just all for the, uh, you know, special teamers. On the bubble players. And all the, the bubble players. Cause yeah. they're like, you know, the half the team doesn't even dress out, so. Okay. But yeah, I think it's just like, the whole thing is, you, yeah, like, offense takes a lot of chemistry, especially if you have a new coach, a new system, a new quarterback, or just even young players. You know, I don't think Drew Brees or, you know, Tom Brady really need to play preseason. Um, but, you know, Kyler Murray will probably benefit from actually running and that's kind of what I agree with I agree with you on that in the sense like obviously on offense like the offensive line needs to get cohesiveness but it really comes down to the experience level because we saw Drew Brees step in with the Saints like with his offense and they seem to really connect and like just be in rhythm right off the bat so it but then obviously you looked at my Bears and the offense struggled. So I think that it comes down to experience. If you're a well-established veteran, like with a lot of returning starters, then I think yeah. that you should be comfortable with skipping most of the preseason. And so I think like, I think that, you know, the Saints, they're pretty okay from an offensive standpoint with where, like how they, how they approach the preseason. But then there's other teams like obviously the Cardinals, um, you know, my Bears and a lot of other players, a lot of other teams like the Jets, perhaps, and other other teams that have younger signal callers, younger like marquee players that need to get more rhythm. You know, they need to get a little bit more uh, cohesiveness and um, just get in sync with the other players on the offense. Uh, yeah, so that's the new system thing. Oh, sorry, but the new system thing is huge too because like, like Rogers. New, new system and they struggled now they're playing a good defense and then Joe Flacco he didn't play, I read that he didn't even play in the preseason and that really surprised me it's a brand new team and then their offensive coordinators knew as well obviously because like Fangio yeah they got the staff and he didn't play a snap in the preseason he didn't even 
dress. And I was like, you know, and then on Monday night, you know, the Raiders certainly played well. But, uh, like, I, I, you know, he really struggled, but he kind of looked like regular old Joe Flacco, honestly, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say how much of that was shaking out the cobwebs and how much of that was just Flacco being Flacco. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, there's, I think too many people adopted that strategy that Sean McVay kind of made famous of resting your starters all throughout preseason. And, like, some for some teams it'll work, for some teams it won't. And, I mean, at the end of the day, like, we're, we're into week two now. And so we have, like, they have more experience. They do have that week one under their belts. So maybe they have worked out some of the kinks. Or maybe they're going to keep going. Um, it's hard to say whether it's co- a cobwebs thing or if their offense just isn't that good at this point. You know, there's a lot of a lot of teams that we're going to be trying to decipher that in yeah. in the weeks to come. Well, another thing I wanted to bring up is with the preseason scheduling. Like, I don't know. I don't really know the preseason scheduling because it seems like you play a lot of the same teams that are kind of close to you because you don't want to travel a lot. Mm-hmm. But there are times where they schedule your regular season opponents in preseason. And it happened with the Raiders two years in a row. Uh, they played this year, week three was the Packers, which they moved to Canada for whatever reason. And that's typically the game where you do your press reversal. Like Lucas said, you know, you played a half or something. But the Packers play in the regular season, so I can understand why you don't want to give stuff away. Mm. And then it happened yes. last year too. They they played yes. the Rams week three preseason, and then they played them week one. And I was like, I don't know who's out of that schedule, but like you can probably pick out who's your regular season opponents and at least you know not playing them <laughs> when you're trying to warm up for the season. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so that yeah. should definitely be like people, you know, unfamiliar opponents that you don't play. You know, maybe in in the exact same inter- season. Yeah, or even just make it interconference because you only play the NFC teams every four years. Um, you know, if you're an NFC team, they only do cross conference every. You know, they rotate. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, what just occurred to me. Just this is a quick side note, but this is on a larger, larger, larger conversation later. But you know how baseball they do their spring training. They have the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League. They have you know half the teams are in Florida, and the other half are in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the Imagine if the NFL did something like that, where they had like half the teams on one coast and half the teams on the other coast, and then there was just a bunch of like joint practices and stuff. I mean, obviously, that would take away from preseason re- revenue, but I wonder if the NFL could find a way to monetize that, and then they could still have preseason games like um, in that area. You know, like if if like a bunch of NFC teams were in, uh, you know, California. And you know, there's like football stadiums all over the place. That's true. You could do it in like Texas, California, some of those places where it's just. I mean, there's. I'm sure there's a lot of places in the South where there's just uh, stadiums out the wazoo. Yeah, that's that's a pretty far-fetched idea. I don't know. I was just kind of thrown. Dynamic, like a. I feel like coaches kind of prefer because. I've seen a lot more joint practices happening where they do more and the reason why they like it because it's controlled you can scrimmage 
and you can do you know you can do full contact and whatever but like you can practice you know uh red zone goal line practice goal line you can practice mid drill and you kind of have these scripted plays where it's a little more controlled versus you know a game where you know you may never get a chance to try to convert a third and long or a two minute drill and um, so I can see. I mean, if they wanted to keep the preseason revenue, they could still make it an event. You know, make it at the NFL stadiums, but instead of doing a full game, do you know different uh, like control sessions, and then maybe do like maybe one quarter time, so they can at least like get some game flow. But, but yeah, I think just like the thing, just playing a a full you know sixty minute game with all the regular stoppages and everything. Um, yeah, that's not really as helpful as some of those scrimmages that they do, uh, like during training camp. So, okay. yeah, could, you could be onto something there. Yeah, and I, I would, because you would think, uh, I'm thinking the NFL would lose revenue, but how much revenue are they making on the preseason angles? And imagine if they had like an NFL network thing going on where, say, there was like four different teams that were doing a joint practice at the same field at the same time. It was like the Cowboys, the uh, Ravens, the Steelers, and like the Eagles or something. And like, I would tune in to watch that. Like imagine on NFL Network, they just have like an all-day coverage thing and they have players mic'd up. I don't think that they're having trouble getting like attendance though at like the preseason games. I think people are starving for football at that point. They do like you know, even if it's preseason, they'll still tune in. People still go to the games um, uh-huh. just because they want some taste of football. Yeah, those games don't sell out, though, do they? Um, no, it probably depends on the market. But they charge like they charge like full price, basically. So, oh, really? Uh, I mean, they're definitely making out. Um, I I don't know profits. if it's necessarily full price. I remember. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I got him off of one of my coworkers has season tickets to the Cardinals. So. <laughs> I, I got a. I went to a game a few years ago, a preseason game in Chicago uh, for the Bears, and I remember being in the lower level, like probably at like the fifteen or ten yard line on one side, and I was like, that was like seventy bucks. Um, it was probably like 25, 30 or so. For 70 bucks, that seems on the cheaper side, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that's what I think, like, it's, I mean, some maybe some of them are, like, market value, but I think that, for the most part, they, they know that the, the product is diminished compared to the real deal. Well, it has the same price. <laughs> You can just get, you can just sell that outside the stadium and then like just have the, tell security it's water. They'll probably yeah. let you bring it in. I mean, even if they even if they test it in the lab, it comes back as you know ninety nine percent water. So yeah. <laughs> Like, I swear, it's just water. <laughs> oh that stuff was so good. <laughs> I love Costco, don't get me wrong. I don't want to 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Moscow, airwaves, but you will not yeah, badmouth. Like, you will not badmouth Kirkland Light on here. I will censor you. I, for one, love Kirkland Light, and I think it is the best beer available for the best price. It will keep you hydrated. Anyway. <laughs> so, okay, okay, so let's go back to uh, week one then. Who who looks like the best rookie so far? Ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> Well, you know, he's got some real potential. He's a, he's a high character. He's a high motor guy. He's a high motor. Real class act. He's a heavy football player. Uh, so do you actually think Josh Jacobs, or is that your Raiders bias speaking? I mean, it's slightly biased, but, I mean, as far as, you know, running backs um, you know David Montgomery didn't have much running room um, Miles Sanders who was the other kind of high profile rookie I mean he, he looked pretty good but he just didn't really get the opportunity because of the you know more committee backfield so uh, I mean alright alright so how many back performances he had you know how many how many like how many yards did how many yards did he have though So, about... And two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Okay, so about one... What was that, 113? One, 113 all scrimmage yards? Or yards from scrimmage? Uh, I think so, yeah. Meanwhile, Marquise Brown, you know, wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens, he had, what, like 147 yards? And I think he had... I forget, was it one or two touchdowns? Yeah. Yeah, his first, his first two catches were for touchdowns. And that, that's what I'm saying. I think, like, definitely it was, like, the, the rookie wide receiver sold the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, you just, if you just look at the stats across the board, I mean, yeah, just rookies scattered everywhere with long catches and touchdowns. And you know what's crazy about Marquise Brown is he, I think he was only in on, like, 14 snaps. Well, yeah. they didn't really, the Ravens kind of took control of that game. <laughs> I mean, if you're scoring on, like, 60-yard, like, touchdown, like, plays, then, I mean, how many plays are you really going to be in there for, anyway, on offense? Yeah, I guess, but I guess I didn't see how many total snaps they had, but even for a blowout, that seems like a small amount. Yeah, like a small sample size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I guess his first two catches were long touchdowns, so... <laughs> so, yeah, they probably weren't running out a lot of uh, three wide receiver packages after that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, what about my boy? I was hyping him up in the draft. You guys know TJ. TJ Hawkinson. The Hawk. Based on the spelling, it's more like Hawkalugi. Well, you know, like that's that's just the lion in him. He isn't as friendly. Yeah, he he hawked all over the all over the Cardinals. Something tells me there's going to be a lot of players. I mean, watch, what is it, the the Ravens play the Cardinals this week, so let's keep our eyes peeled for Marquise Brown tearing up that secondary. I think Patrick Peterson's still suspended, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it's the first four games. Yeah. Yeah. Only oh so, And then the other quarter, I forget his name, but he was he's hurt, so it's uh, it's gonna be a good one. <laughs> I don't think that, that one's gonna end in a tie. I feel like <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Does anyone have a more of a cupcake two game opening schedule than the uh, Ravens? Certainly not uh, this. The Patriots have the next like up until they're by on week ten. They play no playoff games from last oh, year. Oh yeah. Uh, they play Miami twice. I think the Jets and Buffalo and. Well, yeah. yeah after after playing the Steelers week one. Yeah, I picked up their defense in a few of my fantasy leagues. So. Yeah, that's that was probably wise. Their defense. I mean, it looked. I mean, the Steelers looked out of sorts, but. Well, here, here's the thing, though. That's the Steelers' offense. I mean, Big Ben does not do very well on the road, and he's without Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell for the first time in who knows how long. I mean, it's it wasn't really an offense. Everyone kept saying like, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, like he was going to be the replacement of Antonio Brown, but every, like the thing is. He had Antonio Brown last year to draw coverage away from him. So yeah, anytime you get to like you, you have a, a number two receiver that's like a star. You take away the number one. A lot of times they struggle to kind of step into that role because you have all the coverage that you've taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean they. I mean, but also I don't know how much preseason they played, but that could be a. Okay, I could be too. Yeah, and also, just the Patriots had, you know, all offseason to prep for this game. <laughs> so, you give Bill Belichick that much time, yeah, that's. That's true. You're going to have a bad time. I just, I just remember, um, I think, was it two? It was uh, the last year Alex Smith started on the Chiefs. So I believe that was two seasons ago. And mm-hmm. they opened at New England. And that was the oh, game that, that, that was Kareem Hunt's like Kareem breakout Hunt. game. Yeah. Yeah, they they waxed the Patriots that game, and so yeah. you know the Patriots don't always get out to that kind of start, but man, they sure did this year. I I honestly I think that their team is just like on another level this year. You know, they're always Super Bowl contenders, but they're just like clearly a cut above everyone else in my eyes. Like I... the offense, the defense, and the coaching that they have. I think that I think that yeah they are they are the favorites but I think that um I don't know in my opinion it seems like when they when they do like they, they have an, a roster that seems too good to be true and I think uh-huh. that uh you know a couple years ago when they had or like a, a while back when they had Randy Moss they seemed too good to be true too and they ultimately got defeated um well, they went undefeated in the regular season Yeah but I mean if you don't win the Super Bowl then what what does it what I mean, it still happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, technically it took more than that. But it, you know, the Giants' defense played amazing that game. With their, with the pass rush they had, a, I think they had on their, on their team, but they certainly yeah, had yeah. Drahan and O.C. Oh, um, yeah. They had like a 400 monster. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think, depending, obviously, depending on the health of all their... You know, offensive line and skill positions, but yeah, they're 
Mariners on another level as far as their play yeah. and, their, and their game planning and personnel. I mean, had, yeah. had offensive linemen go down. Um, uh, Marcus Cannon, I forget. I don't know what his injury was. I'm looking it up right here. All right, so so guys, I have a question for you then. Since the Patriots look so dominant following their week one, and this week they go in and they play at Miami, a situation where historic in the last like decade or so they've actually struggled quite a bit in coming away with the win. I think the last, at least the last two years, they've lost in Miami. Uh, last year was a very close game, but still, with the Dolphins looking this bad and Patriots looking this good, like. Do you give them any sort of upset hopes? I'm taking the I'm taking the Patriots. I'm taking the spread, and I'm betting on the over. What's the, yeah. What's the spread right now? What are you uh, saying they win by? I think it's I actually. Uh, I heard earlier in the week it was it was either fourteen and a half or fifteen and a half. Um, but it's it's that high, and I would I agree I would take the Patriots, even though they they traditionally don't play that well. Like, you remember last year in Miami, they lost on that crazy last play. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when they put Gronk at free safety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was uh, showing off his lack of range there. Um, I wonder if that was the play when he was like, maybe I should retire. He's like, I can get up. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're yeah. saying it's going to be bigger than 14, 14 points. Currently, they say it's going to reach 17 by kickoff, probably. Yikes. All right. I'm going to say um, it's going to the the score. The Patriots will still win, but I think it's going to be by less than seven points. Less than seven. Yeah. Wow. That's a bold statement there, Casey. What makes you think that? I just think, like, you know, for whatever reason, Tom Brady does not, like, perform well in Miami. And, you know, there's been a lot of shit talking about the Dolphins going on this week, so... I don't know. Maybe they rise to the occasion and only lose by uh, six or five. I don't know. I think I heard there's like a lot of people, a lot of the Dolphins players, like hold their agents they want to out. <laughs> this is more than just you know. It's different when you're like an all rookie team or you know you have adversity in the off season and you kind of like want to rally against it. But this is literally like a fire sale. And the, there's just clear evidence that the owner is trying to not necessarily tank but just build for the future and uh, yeah. so I'm sure a lot of the veteran players are just like I just want to get out of this you're healthy and hopefully you know sign with a contender next year <laughs> um, and also I think I mean I have to look at the schedules but I think a lot of times the Patriots play Miami later on in the season when they're kind of like coasting a little bit um, I I don't know if you, if you a few of those have been like later in the season where they're kind of already, you know, a winning record. And, and I would argue that the Patriots tend to start off slow, though. They actually, like, you know, they'll usually lose a few games, like, in the first month or two. And everybody's, because all the chatter starts that, like, oh, are they past their prime? Is Tom Brady finally finished? And then they go on this amazing tear, like, the second half of the season where they win, like, you know, eight straight or, like, I don't know. Seven of the next nine, something like that. Not this year. <laughs> well, so you, I mean, it's still early. 
obviously they look good, but again, I think that the Steelers had their own weaknesses and flaws that were definitely showing up in this game. So who knows? Like, I mean, they'll. I guess if they're playing, they're playing some pretty bad teams to start off, but there's always room for an upset. It's the NFL. So the upset, I would say the upset would more come. Let's see. They play Buffalo in two weeks. I would say that would be probably where the upset comes. Mm-hmm. Buffalo, uh, the end of September, so week four. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would probably be my pick. Buffalo's got a good defense. Because, like, Buffalo is always kind of, you know, they've been a perennial loser for a while, but they got a good defense. Josh Allen can run. they got some deep threats. Um, Plus, they, they play the Patriots twice a year, so, like... Yeah, just yeah, division are always harder. Yeah, you kind of know them, and you, you know the Patriots kind of have this like mystique around them all, almost. Like sometimes when you guys are watching them, I don't know if you feel this way, but you kind of think like you're watching it, and it's just like they know exactly what's going to happen, and the other team has no idea what they're doing. Like, it's almost like they should have recorded their practices <laughs> and know exactly what they're doing. Like they, they knew what that hand signal meant. <laughs> well, let's see. They do. They're intercepting the calls. They do play the Giants. Uh, was it uh week six? Eli's last. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, they also play. I mean, it looks like they're playing the uh, NFC East this year, so they'll they'll also get a chance to play the Eagles in Philadelphia. Uh, they'll play the Chiefs again, and I think the Cowboys could make a strong run against them. I mean, yeah, me too. Cowboys yeah, looked very impressive in their first game. Yeah, they got they got they got a new offensive coordinator that's actually like opening up their offense and using all the weapons. Yeah. So, uh, so who's your? So, who's the who's the like the best surprise that you got this week? Like, what which player or team looked better than you ever than you really expected them to? Um, I guess it, it kind of goes both ways. One one team looking really good, the other team not looking good. But it was the Titans and Browns game. Yeah. Um, Titans actually like pretty solid. Just having a good defense, causing turnovers. Derrick Henry t- having like yeah, a Henry sixty or seventy yard touchdown reception. He's yeah, fast. Like, they were very much in control of that game, and like it played to their strengths, which is you know, bru- pounding, bruising, running attack. Uh, Mariota making some smart plays, and that was another like the AJ Brown came up with some big catches. Um, yeah, you know, 43-13 against the Browns, who were the uh, off-season champions. Yeah. And it was, in, it was in Cleveland, too, so that one was one that... No, they came on and got punched in the mouth, so... Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. That was, like, probably the biggest surprise. I, in my opinion, it's the biggest disappointment, because I was kind of rooting for the Browns to, to at least do something this year. Like, I kind of would like to see them win the division. Just because I don't like, I hate the Steelers. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind if the Ravens won too. Yeah, just anyone but the Steelers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, 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 I think I'll throw your hats in there. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, they looked they looked competitive. Yes, they did. 
Rangers either. But, um, I thought for me, the two teams, there's kind of two that stood up. The Cowboys, of course, you know, like you said, with Kellen Moore running the offense, man, that they were slinging it. That, that game was so much fun to watch. And, and if they're able to air it out like that and you you know they still have Zeke in their back pocket and they could, you know, use him, if it's, if it's that kind of game, they can play that way. And that just makes them so... Michael, Michael Gallup had a pretty good game. Cooper, mm-hmm. Randall Cobb. They even got old man Jason Witten in there. Yeah, him, <laughs> him underneath. He just, he just runs six yards and turns around. That's, yeah, that's all he's got to do. He's got six yards and turn around, and he's he's just huge and he's sure-handed. Um, yeah. And then the other team, I I thought it was the Raiders. Honestly, I I really liked how they played. Like, oh yeah. Car Car played so smart. Like, I think the most telling plays are the quarterbacks back there, right? He's dropped back. It's say it's like it's like first and fifteen. It's like after a false start. You know, some some guys they're, they're gonna try and make a play, but if he's back there and there's nothing, and they just dump it down and get like four yards, like that's what you have to do. It's so cliche, like oh, move to fight another down, but it's these doofuses that go and throw, you know, either a dumb pass or they're just trying to make a play and they and they get strip sacked, you know. Forces. I mean, that's what Tom Brady does. He's <laughs> like, oh. Patricia is the most overrated head coach probably in the NFL just right because now. Just because he was a Belichick, like, there's yeah. so many of those flameouts that's like, oh, you were part of the, you know, the... Yeah, he was a defensive coordinator when their defense wasn't even good, though. That's what yeah. bothers me, is, like, he was literally just on the coaching staff, and, like, they they had, like, I don't know, I think it was, like, bottom five or bottom six defense uh, yeah, in the NFL, and... First in the, uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they and... It just was very, I mean, as a Bears fan, personally, I loved the hire. I think it was great, you know, to keep the, <laughs> yeah, keep the Lions down. Yeah. But as I can 
Yeah, like as a Lions fan, I like you know if I were a Lions fan, I would be kind of frustrated and annoyed by that. Yeah, and also okay, so to flip over to fantasy for a little bit, why does everybody think Carryon Johnson is such a good running back? I really just do not get it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's just one of those things where like his skill in college and the numbers and all that, like. He has all the measurables, and he looks pretty good. Like when he get actually gets the ball in like in space, or but I just think it's just that coaching staff just doesn't know how to use their weapons. Yeah, yeah. similar to David Johnson last year. Yeah, I mean, that's like a perfect example. It's like David Johnson. No one can deny his talent, but you put him in a horrible offense with uh, I can't remember who the coordinator was. Um, yeah, just like a bad coordinator, not opening him up, not getting him space. I think that's kind of what's happening. Is just Matt Patricia is you know a defensive-minded coach, and he he's best at shutting know. down his own players. So yeah, I mean, just even uh, <laughs> even David Johnson last year wasn't he like the ninth, the RB nine, like by the end of the season. He, he, he did he did games. pick it up. He did pick it up towards he, the end of the season, but it was just yeah. He, So he called that timeout that cost them the game. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of the thing where people were hyped up on him because um, Double came over from Seattle, I think. Yeah. Um, and obviously Seattle led the league in rushing, like, rushing last year. So he uh, just going to carry it over to uh, Detroit and pound the rock with carry on. And I think they have yeah, CJ Anderson. Yeah, um, but they don't have Marshawn Lynch in Detroit. There's some that are really like you, who we think is going to win, or what we think is going to be the most exciting game to no, watch. Just, just uh, not even that. Just uh, games that you're looking. Well, I guess exciting game. The games that you're most looking forward to 
to just seeing how a particular team performs or or just because you think it's going to be exciting. Okay, so I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and one team that re- or one game that really stands out to me is uh, Saints-Rams. I think that's going to be like a really exciting game. Obviously, last year they were the top two teams in the NFC. And to be honest, if anything, I think they both improved a little bit. Uh, you know, they don't have, you know, all their players are healthy right now. Um, I'm just excited to see how that turns out. I mean, we've already seen how the Saints-Texans game turned out. I want to see how it goes against the Rams. See if it's going to be as much of a shootout. How soon, how soon into the game do they throw the... Uh Challenge <laughs> <laughs> they should they should throw it on the kickoff. They <laughs> should do like on the first play of the Rams, that, you know, offensive play for the Rams. Everyone just like the receivers, <laughs> just yeah, all of, all of the same, just like all five eligible receivers just get destroyed. <laughs> so you know what's funny? Yeah, call, you know what's funny in that. in that playoff game last year? Prior to the game, there actually was a petition going around by a uh, Rams fan, I think. I think there were some Rams fans because the leading officiator, I guess, had been biased against the Rams in throughout the season. And, wow. Yeah, and so it was, it was very funny to see how that played out where they, I mean, it ended up going the other way where the Rams ended up coming out with the lucky missed call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what gets lost in that, real quick, what gets lost in that NFC Championship game, that missed call was atrocious. But the Saints had the ball first in overtime, and they threw an interception. So it's like, let's not let's not act like the, the Rams scored on the next play and won the game. Like, the Saints still had their chance, and yeah. they lost. They had, so. Yeah, they had numerous chances, and they couldn't capitalize on it. And it's like, you know, it's the same thing as, like, as you were saying in the Super Bowl those years ago with, between the Patriots and the Giants, like, you know, Eli Manning got out of that sack and he threw a ridiculous catch that should never have happened, but it did happen. I mean, these these are the kinds of plays that, as a fan, you, you live for or you you die for. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you mean. Yeah, as a Packers fan, I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> yeah, how's, how's Mr. Trubisky looking this week? <laughs> he said, <sighs> that's not on my list of most exciting games. Uh, he, uh... I, I'm just I, I remember seeing this thing on Reddit where somebody said, you know, it's not their fault. You know, both the quarterbacks that were drafted right after him did better in college and in the pros. You can't predict that. And I think that really just Yeah. I I mean I I for one am shocked that he did not turn into like the next Tom Brady. But I think that <sighs> Ryan Pace, if you didn't bring in Cleo Mack, you son of a bitch, I I would be calling for your head right now. I mean, like he's brought in some really great players and he's helped build like this amazing defense. But God, trading up one spot to get Mitch Trubisky when you still had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes on the board was that a Deshaun Watson? National champion at Alabama. It may have been. Just just making sure that he was coming off of one of the greatest college finishes. I'll tell you one thing. He was not coming off a 6-6 season in the ACC. (laughs) Yeah. 
spear in his name before the draft. Yeah, I I was. I you really I don't know what. Got all the measurables. That's, Oh, that's, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. He's the prototypical quarterback. It's like, well... He's the, he is the prototypical Bears quarterback. Disappointing. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, we'll see the rematch. We're going to take all, all the worst parts of Jenny Cutler and Kyle Gordon. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'll, I'll say this about the game. Like, they just... Their game... I, I'm, I think the thing I'm most disappointed about that game was... Like Coach Nagy, he just his play calling was bad. I mean, they just focused as soon as they got down by that touchdown, then he completely shifted away from the run and just he was too so worried that they wouldn't have enough time to come back. It seems like so he was just trying to put Trubisky in this position where he could like try to take over the game, and he's really not there. Like that's not that's not his style, at least not yet. I mean, if he's if he's gonna show anything like that, like I haven't seen it. And that touchdown was in the second quarter. It's like, they had plenty of time. I, I, exactly. I agree. They, were, they got way too cute. And yeah. I think he even said that after the game. I think he was like, we got too cute with it. And, and they gave, I mean, I'm not a David Montgomery fantasy owner, so I'm a little biased, but they gave him, like, no run. And yeah. I, thought he looked, I thought he looked decent while he was out there. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of moving the ball when, when he was on the field, but... Uh, Mike Davis was getting all that all that love, and then Tariq Cohen was basically a slot receiver. He had no rushes. Yeah, um, I think he had one rush for zero yards. They gave uh, Cordell Patterson a third and one carry. I think. Yeah, I think. My, I mean, what I what I would say is for next week, just let like give Montgomery the ball and just let him run. Look, he's got fresh legs. Let's just see what he can do. Yeah, another rookie just, uh, it's funny that the, the two players you have a bet on both play the Broncos week one and two. <laughs> oh, here we go. Hey, that'll be a good, uh, you know. Yeah, no uh, kidding. Measuring stick to see if, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs can do that Denver's defense, what will uh, Montgomery do? Yeah, and I really like looking like these teams that lose week one because, you know, you have all these ideas in the offseason. I'm sure these coaches have, you know, like all of us, you kind of blow up how good you think your own team is going to be in your head, and then in week one it can all come crashing down. Um, I, mean, like, I know what you're Packers, saying right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the Packers didn't really impress either. Like, that game was pretty ugly to watch. Um, I mean, they were playing the Bears. <laughs> I saw some stat, though, because LaFleur was the offensive coordinator for Tennessee last year, right? So yeah. there was something where, like, in, in 12 of the games last year, they were held to under 20 points. Yeah. And this was my thought process when he was announced as the coach. I was like, the Titans, offensive coordinator, the, Titan, the, the Tennessee Titans? Yeah. High-flying high Titans offense. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I think that Sean McVay is having, like, has way too much influence over this league. Like, every everybody's just replicating everything. Yeah, every everyone's just trying to copy him, trying to replicate. It's like, oh, we need a young, offensive-minded coach. Like that's going to be our secret. And granted, I mean, the Bears kind of followed that to a T last year. I mean, he's, he's not that young, but he's not like he's not super old either. Um, but an offensive-minded head coach, and they they fo- followed a lot of similar formulas. You know, like former Defensive Player of the Year, uh, rookie or like second-year QB, and they actually did have good success with it. But I think that so many people are just like, this is this is the new way to win. And 
week one, but I mean, the Bears won 12 games last year. They're probably going to be fine. They'll still probably win like 10 games. Like, they're still really good. Their defense keeps fast. They're going to run the ball more, and they're, they're not going to get cheap like that. So I think they're going to be all right. But with these, with the, off of the young, offensive minded, like, head coach thing, don't you think that's kind of because, like, it, here's what happens a lot. You, you get this team and they're hot, right? They're, and their offense is rolling. And then what happens? Their offensive coordinator gets hired away. And then you have to, like, install a new system and get your quarterback comfortable with someone else. Whereas if your head coach is the guy calling those plays, that's never going to happen because he's not going to get hired away if he's already the, your head coach. So I think that's part of the, the logic behind that, that you're not going to lose that continuity on offense. That's a good point. Yeah. I think that happens a lot for sure. Just because I mean, the, uh, I think that happens even with um, you know quarterback coaches is it'll be you know kind of this young guru quarterback coach and has a relationship with your franchise quarterback and then he's getting some buzz for offensive coordinator or maybe even head coaching positions mm-hmm. and you don't want to lose him so then you immediately promote him to offensive coordinator or even you know head coach for that matter so. Yeah, definitely a lot of it's trying to like keep your talent, and especially if you have, um, you know, if you could get a young coach. I mean, if it hits, that'll be your coach for the next, you know, twenty years. <laughs> yeah. For as long as he wants to coach. Yeah, basically, you know, you can have a, a you know, or if you're lucky, Sean, Sean Payton style or or Belichick style, where yeah, or is going to be a coach there forever. Or if you're lucky, then you can get like a, a guy. You get a head coach who brings in a guy who uh, maybe he could have potential as a head coach, but he prefers to be a coordinator. I mean, you've seen that with uh, Josh McDaniels went out and had a stint as a head coach, and he decided he would rather be the offensive coordinator. He had more success there. Dick he's LeBeau. Just the, he's just waiting for the throne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's possible. There was Dick LeBeau for the Steelers. Um, you know, sometimes it's. I mean, I. Head coach, I can't imagine the amount of stress that being a head coach is in the NFL. Like you, I mean, you could get fired at, like halfway through your first season. Yes, it's like that's their that's their job is to get fired. That's what they're hired oh, for. Yeah. They're hired to get fired. The one thing though is that yeah, contracts are guaranteed. Yeah. As a head coach, so, mm-hmm. so it's not as yeah. it's not as bad as being a player. Frank, you know that better than anybody. Got a Coach Gruden over there. You know who's going to be your coach for the next. Nine years left. Supposedly. Ninety mil. Nine straight years of hard knocks. After the after the Cowboys game, I was just thinking, I wonder who Kellen Moore is going to be the head coach next year. Just uh, like if they just go Miami, tearing it. Miami. I mean. <laughs> Potentially, well, no, they just hired uh, oh, Brian Flores this past season. Um, yeah, but, but uh, you think he's going to stick around very long? Yeah, even... but I mean, like, this is his first season, and they basically took away any chance he had of being good. So I would imagine they're going to give him at least one more year after this. But uh, I, was, I was more asking it, like, jokingly, because, like, <laughs> but, did you see Kellen Moore? He looks like he's 13 years old. <laughs> He looks oh, yeah. so young. Oh, yeah. Is the definition of baby face. Okay, so there's... Yeah, there's, there's, well, there, one other thing I was thinking about, like, in terms of 
coaches, like, you know, what makes like an, one of these offensive coaches really successful. And, um, obviously, I don't know if you guys know this about Sean McVay, but he has like a photographic memory. I think he remembers every single play he's ever called, like the situation it's been in and everything. Jeez. Yeah. They've, they've done interviews and they've asked him like, Oh, what was this play? Like from last year, like week three, like, you know, you, uh, your the downage is like, it's like first and seven or first and 10. Uh, and there's this much time. <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> Called the goal line guys. No, but anyway. And so they, they just tell him like the time, like how much time is left in the game and which game it is. And he basically knows the exact play who gets like, if it's a pass, who gets thrown to how much, what yardage they get. Like it's insane. Yeah. And I've heard, I, I heard something similar about, uh, Lincoln Riley, the head coach of the, you know, the QB whisperer. Um, I just wonder like, you know, if, if there's going to, you're going to see more of a shift towards coaches, like, I don't know, that have that sort of like, just intense memory. Like if that's, if that's going to start factoring into how, how, uh, owners and GMs start looking at coaches. But anyway. Yeah. Like staff majors from Harvard or something. Yeah. Some money ball stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because I didn't I didn't know that about uh Lincoln Riley too, but he he basically I think he has very similar to like almost a photographic memory. Yeah, I'm surprised. I heard a lot of buzz around him being an NFL coach. I'm surprised he didn't get snatched up. Surprised they got Cliff Kingsbury instead of him. I'm sure they probably reached out to Lincoln Riley. I like when I was when the Packers were looking for their new coach. His name was coming up, mm-hmm. and so I got my hopes up. I was stoked, and then we got Matt Lafleur. So I mean, <laughs> jury's still out. <laughs> jury's still so you out got now. you got some coaching blue balls. Yeah. <laughs> what a tease! It's a good way to put it. I need, I need a good new coach so I can release. <laughs> Well, don't worry. I'm sure your coach will get released soon. <laughs> Whatever you Packers guys want to do, I mean, that's your business. As long as you don't get the news in the middle of, you know, a work day or something, you might have some problems. Then I jizz in my pants. The Browns just like there's so much hype like people are already like jumping off the bandwagon. They're saying like this is going to be, you know, they there was a lot of hype, but they've done nothing to produce. And I think if they want to like keep the momentum going from last year, they need a win. Like they they absolutely need to come out strong. And and who are they playing this week? I don't even know. They play the Jets on Monday Night Football. Oh. Yeah. And the Jets are not the team there. You know, they lost that close game at home to the, the Bills. They could, they could really use a win. But I agree, the Browns, I think they're, with all the hype that was around them, like you said, like, <laughs> there's going to be some chaos going on there if they don't, yeah. they don't at least, like, show up and look impressive. Yeah, in and game. Cleveland fans um, are brutal, so, <laughs> I mean. But I, I, think, I 
think the one team even more so than that, or or maybe two, um, the the Falcons for sure. Okay. Yeah. They, I mean, that's definitely they, one of them. Yeah, they laid that first game. They laid an egg, and now they're at home. They're that's on the Sunday yeah. night. They're playing the Eagles. It's yeah, it's yeah. gonna start a bad trend. I mean, last year they kind of had excuses because you know half their defense was on the IR. Yeah. Um, so you kind of just gave them a little bit of a pass, but everyone's healthy. You have this loaded offense, this loaded defense, and mm-hmm. you know a better head coach. You should be not getting shut out. <laughs> yeah. Even though Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota's a good team and it was on the road, but still, that's. If you're going to compete with the, with the NFC for playoff spots or Super Bowl, then you have to do better than that. So. I mean, it's going to be a wide-open um, race in the NFC, so... Yeah. And the other thing I'm interested in is, um, is the Panthers, mainly yeah. just Cam Newton. Um, I know he's coming off of, like, a shoulder surgery and mm-hmm. he had that foot sprain. But, yeah, he just did not look good. I mean, if it wasn't for Christian McCaffrey, that game would have been a lot more one-sided of the Rams, but yeah, the Buccaneers also look pretty horrible, but they have them uh, Thursday night, so, you know, prime time home crowd. Quick turnaround, it's, it's going to be... It's a, it's a opponent that's a very beatable, so if they, if they struggle to get, you know, blown out by any chance, or Cam Newton still doesn't look like himself, that's going to be, you know, not a good sign for them, kind of. The NFC South, yeah, they might be. Uh, if Jameis throws another pick six and they lose bad, then it might have been his last three. I mean, they don't have Fitzmagic anymore, so I mean. <laughs> yeah, I don't even. I couldn't tell you who their backup is. I haven't yeah. a clue, but I mean, there's always like. Well, we know it's not Gardner Minshew, though. Certainly not him. Minshew Magic. I don't know, man. This is the start of the Dobbs era. It could be. Dobbs <laughs> era. Beware. <laughs> beware, bucket, or beware Jaguars fans. <laughs> oh, they're already aware. The quarterback for James Winston is Lane Dabbert. Really? Yep. He didn't go very far. You get a pick no. six. You get a pick six. Everybody gets a pick six. <laughs> 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 
Buccaneers, I still weirdly have faith only because that there's that story going around about the uh, that like half their team had stomach bug. Maybe not half their team, but Mike Evans amongst others on offense, and there was multiple defensive players that also supposedly had this thing going into the game. And uh, Mike Evans, it was reported that he had he himself out multiple times in the first half like because of this. Dang. And you know he had a really bad day. I did um, not know that. St- statistically, yeah. So, um, I'm kind of thinking that they're going to put up much more of a fight than they did in week one. Um, you know, I, I love Bruce Arians. I think he's a great coach. Like, everywhere he's gone, they've been pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't think that this was their best effort. I think they're going to they're gonna play a lot better on Thursday. They, they may not win, but, uh, um, but I think they're going to they're gonna show up. Okay. Alright, um, I think that's about it, actually. We, uh, gotta wrap this up. You, you guys, real quick, you wanna make, uh, predictions for each of our team's games? Sure. Sure. So, like, I'll, so, so I'm thinking, ooh. so we got the Vikes this week. Okay, Packers Vikings. Man, their, their defense looks so good. But ours look good too. Um, I'm a little worried about Dalvin Cook though. You know, their their rushing offense looks pretty next level. I, I think the Vikings. I think the Vikings will probably win. I'm gonna say. But if the, if Tremont, as Tremont Williams said, if they can get Kirk Cousins to play quarterback, then they should be able yeah. to win. <laughs> That's true. I mean, they make him throw more than ten times. I, I think it'll be a close game, but at this, am I just trying to reverse jinx if I pick the Vikings? Uh, maybe we shouldn't pick the Vikings because I feel so biased. We should just do a round robin, actually. That should be, like... Okay, how about, so I have the odds pulled up, so let's just, let's just do the Vegas lines. Okay. So, uh, Minnesota, Green Bay, Minnesota is uh, Green Bay minus three, but the over-under is 44. Okay, and and normally, don't they they normally uh like the home team? They basically give three points. Yeah, so it's like even. Yeah, so even so they basically see it as like an even dead even match. As a push. Yeah. So what are you saying? Are, who's gonna are they gonna beat the spread? Uh yeah, I would take I would take uh minus three. Okay. Wait, wait. No, no, no. Sorry, I would take Vikings plus three. My bad. <laughs> I was like, you were just I saying how Vikings, you wanted. I think the... bad. But, uh, but yeah, I would take the Vikings plus three. I think they're going to cover two of that or win outright. Mm-hmm. Um, does it see what the money line is right there, Frank, or no? Um, no, just the odds of the uh, over-under. Over-under. Under. Okay. That over-under yeah. seems. Well, I guess 44 is under. But I would probably I would probably go under for now, just because the Packers' offense I think might take some time to to round into form, and the Vikings aren't really looking to air it out. And I think both of these teams have really good defenses, so I would go under, and I would take Vikings plus three. All right. Yeah. For uh, how much are betting here? I have a, actually have the bookie on the other line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So 
I did I did good with my last bet, so. Alright, Frank, you're up. Obviously, outside the Patriots, the other AFC play in Denver against the Broncos. What's yeah, yeah. the... Chicago is favored. Uh, two and a half points. Okay. Two and a really? half points. And what's the uh, over-under? 41. The over-under is three and a half. Um, I would say... I mean... When I look at when I look at the Broncos and I look at the Bears, they have very similar teams. I would say like you know they have very strong pass rush. Um, they have a very they they have a very good running game if they can get it started. And their QBs are kind of suspects. You know if they get into a good rhythm, they can play well. But uh, you know they're far from them to take over a game. So actually, it's funny in my head I was kind of thinking like I would say the Bears would win by three. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. As far as the over under, you said it was 41 points. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, 
I'm gonna go with. You know what? I'm gonna go with over. I think uh, Bears defense gets pick six or some sort of uh, some defensive points. Exactly. Takes two to throw an interception. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, so you're, you're thinking over, you think that there'll be kind of some, some middling scoring on offense and then the Bears defense is going to jump in there? Yeah, exactly. I think there could be some fumbles, something to put the offenses in good position, or even just pave the way for the defense to score altogether because they'll, they'll probably get sick of the offense failing to score. Yeah, and if they can, uh, if they can, I, I really hope they go back to running the ball. Like, do you know off the top of your head how many times Trubisky threw on Thursday? I do not. I, yeah, and I think they said, I think it was like, I think it was like mid 40s though, actually. Um, let me see. Let me check the box score. Yeah, he's, he was 26 of 45. Uh, for 228. That's terrible. That's five yards. That's basically five yards an attempt. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know how many times they ran the ball? 15. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. To, to go a little deeper into that. Three of those rushes were by Trubisky himself, so... Oh, nice. Well, you know, sometimes you pass to set up the run. Oh, it'll be a long game. <laughs> Alright, guys. I think uh, we can wrap that up then. Who wants to. Well, who wants to do the send off? First, big shout out to Emmanuel Sanders for coming back after the torn Achilles and playing well. So, it, was, it was good to see him out there. Just wanted to see that. Okay. You stay classy, internet. Uh, there we go. That one's taking drink. Oh man. Uh, love piece of chicken grease. <laughs>